For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Brain Dump by The Fail Coach. And again, we have an interesting interview. I have my dear friend Gabe here with me. Uh, we already did LinkedIn Live together, so um, I'm already quite familiar with the way he thinks and what he does. But instead of me telling you all about him, I will just say, welcome, Gabe. Welcome to the show. And please, Tell us a little bit who you are and what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Miha. It's been a real pleasure to get to know you and uh, enjoyed our LinkedIn time and happy to be here as well. Uh, I founded a company called Business Marketing Engine, and what we do is provide marketing and development and content creation services uh, for and clients and agencies all around the world. So that's that's our main focus these days is just supporting other business owners and other agencies. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, um, I know that on LinkedIn Live, we talked a little bit about how to approach your digital marketing needs uh, strategically. And and maybe that's that's like a good thing where we can start from because, you know, it's not the same audience, so they won't hear it twice. And even if they do, um, it's, it's such an important message. So um, it's good that they can hear it multiple times so that it really gets stuck and or engraved into their brain. Because um, in, in my experience so far, if you don't approach it in a strategic way with processes, KPIs, benchmarking, and all of that, um, there's quite a big chance that you will fail along the way. So if we just start there, uh, what's your take on that? I know you have those four amazing pillars um, and, and let's start there and see where the conversation goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's really important with with all business owners that they understand there's there's some key areas they have to pay attention to and they can never, in my opinion, fully give away the responsibility for these two areas. And that's with sales and marketing. And, and what I mean by that is that if you're not paying attention to your sales and marketing efforts and the results that they're getting or not getting, then you're going to, you're going to be fooling yourself at some level, or you're going to be less effective or, or there could be really huge looming problems that you don't know about. And so I believe when it comes to marketing um, and sales is super similar, but we'll start with marketing that you have to treat everything as direct response marketing. I think that there's too much, I think there's too much talk out there about, oh, you know, you just need to brand yourself and you just need to get the word out there and you need to do remarketing campaigns, you know, and cookie people and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with those. I'm not saying that they're inherently wrong, but if you start there, then you're just, you're 
completely cheating yourself and you're fooling yourself into thinking that that is effective marketing. And I don't believe it is. I think that the, the key is to say, okay, how can I put $1 into my marketing machine and see if I can get at least a dollar back or ideally, you know, a dollar 10 or two bucks or five bucks or whatever it is. And until you have that repeatable process from a marketing standpoint, then you don't have effective marketing. Uh, and I think that's just something to, to really pay attention to. No, I agree. To. I mean, it's all about marketing mix. Um, I, I I don't like when, you know, the um, certain communities online that promote certain software solutions for creating funnels. Um, and they just focus on the funnel because, you know, once you stop driving traffic to it, if it, there is no brand story, branding behind it, um, you know, no more sales. Um, and, and branding gives you that loyalty fan base. But, you know, yeah, like you said, one goes hand in hand with the other. You can't just focus on either of those two and completely neglect the second one. But maybe maybe we can go a right. little bit sooner. So a, a lot of the audience on my podcast are first-time entrepreneurs uh, or in a really early stage of their entrepreneurial journey. So you know, maybe just um, explain a little bit what is digital marketing and uh, you know what goes into digital marketing because you know we constantly hear you're just one funnel away or things like that or you know just brand yourself <laughs> and, and and you know the money will come so you know maybe you can share a little bit more light into what goes into effective digital marketing strategy even when you are in a very early stage yeah, absolutely. We can definitely talk about that. So I was talking to one of my paid mastermind groups just a few minutes ago, and I said, as entrepreneurs, one of the challenges is we have to be able to get into different mindsets and, you know, view the world from different perspectives throughout the day. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to wear one hat all day. You're not going to just have one perspective. And so as, as marketers, we have to be good at telling people what they want to hear and then delivering to them what they actually need. We have to actually serve them and solve their real problems and really help them become a better person or a better business owner or solve the big problem that they're trying to solve. But sometimes it starts shallow and then goes deep to real need. And so the reason that I say that is in order to be an effective digital marketer, you have to be a really good face-to-face -face marketer. And if you there's there's a bunch of ways to solve the marketing problem. So the, the marketing problem that you need to solve, doesn't matter if you started this idea today or yesterday or two years ago, doesn't matter how far you are you know, in, a, in your startup, the marketing problem you have to solve is you have to figure out what do people in my market really want. And so there's, there's a couple of ways to go about that. You will hear people telling you a lie and you will also mishear the experts that are telling you the right way. And you will hear this message of, oh, just put the word out there and people will find you or you can test and adjust your marketing by running Facebook ads or Google ads or running some ad platform and just test and adjust. And that's both tr true and a lie. So I'll, I'll try to break that down clearly. It's true if you already have sat 
face to face with your audience or had one on one Zoom calls or, you know, whatever, however you want to do that. And you know what the real desire is of your audience, then, of course, you can move into digital and test how they're going to respond to the needs that you already know they have and the wants they already have shared. You can test how that can be best communicated digitally. But if you haven't done the groundwork step of having enough one-on-one conversations, then you're approaching your market from a place of ego and you can't really truly serve them. And so you're just going to strike out a lot and spend a lot of money and accidentally maybe find the right message, but you won't have the foundation to understand why. It's all about figuring out your product market fit, which consists of number one, your audience, your desired audience, a problem you're solving, a desire that you're bringing or the transformation or, you know, bridging the gap between one side of the tunnel and the other one or however you want to call it. And then a business model that supports you and supports them as well so they can afford it. And once you only once you validate that with a proven duplicatable system, then in my opinion, you should move forward um, because otherwise you are just, uh, you know, spreading yourself thin and, and you're just trying to fish something, but you are not really sure where you're throwing the hook. Exactly. <laughs> and what most people shortcut is having all those one-on-one interactions because they either never heard about it, which is no longer their excuse after today, um, or they're afraid of that, or they don't want to do the work. I mean, if I'm being honest, they just don't want to, you know, they don't want to put any time and effort to do it. And I want to, I want to share a story um, so that everybody listening can clearly understand that they can and should have all those one-on-one conversations. So um, just last week, I um, got to hear Shailene Johnson talk. And if you don't know who she is, she's a big fitness and, um, you know, fitness coach and has done huge infomercials and just massively successful. Um, and so her Instagram is not huge compared to some of the other accounts, but it's highly engaged and it has 560,000 followers on it. And while she was standing on the stage, when I saw her speaking right in front of me, she showed us live how she does all her own customer service. And the reason she said she's doing that for now, she said, I may not do that forever, which I think is wise. It's probably not a thing forever. But she said, the reason that I'm doing this is because I want to talk directly to my own customers. She said, so I have some copy and paste things I use. You know, I have some tools that help me respond more quickly. But she said, I want to have every single one of those conversations. So I know exactly what my audience is thinking and exactly what they want. And and so it's somebody that has over a half million followers just on that platform. She has tons of followers everywhere else too. If somebody at that stage can talk one-on-one to their customers, then so can you. Know, you. you know so what, I, I, what, I what's my routine? <laughs> a weekly routine. So I have different audiences I want to talk to. So it's like just random entrepreneurs. Um, and then it's my ideal client. And then mm. it's, you know, prospects already, let's say, moving through my ecosystem and then i have my current clients and my past clients and Mm -hmm. every sunday i choose because i'm not a multitasker so i i don't just go and pick a few from each group but i pick one group let's say i want to really connect with a few of my past clients this week and i just 
give them a 30-minute value call to five or 10 of them, between five and 10. So every single week, even after 23 years, I still do that every single week. I can't talk with everybody. I can't do all the support and all of that. But I, I, I choose to speak with five to 10 people. And it's not really a, a marketing research or anything like that. It's a value call uh, where they expect and they get value. Uh, but you know, for me to be able to give them value, I have to ask them questions. I have to ask, you know, like, what are your struggles? What are your wins? What are your desires? And so on. And all of that with, and then after the week is done, I go back to my uh, business development plan. And, you know, sometimes I don't change anything. And I say, oh, I'm really on the right track. Sometimes I do little polishes. Sometimes I make big changes because of what I've learned in the past week. But every single week, that's something that's never uh, postponed. That's that's like probably the number one thing that I schedule uh, for the coming week because it's so freaking important. Yeah, I love that, and that's, and that's exactly what you have to do. If if you want to be an effective marketer, all you have to do is know your in, audience inside and out, and you have to put in the time. There's a a friend of mine wrote a uh, book called over deliver his name's Brian Kurtz. And he, there's a chapter in there and it's called hand truck marketing. So like if you ever go into a warehouse and there's people moving boxes and stuff around, they pull up one of these big hand carts that can move a whole pallet worth of stuff. And so he said when he was starting a new project, he would go to Barnes and Noble and he would actually buy a whole pallet's worth of books that he was going to read so that he felt like he had a starting place to understand the market. And then he would go and have, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations. And he was another guy that has said to me, he's like, you got to do your own customer service, you know, periodically. And it's just what you're saying too. You got to prioritize having those conversations with the whole spread of, you know, prospects to existing customers, to past customers, you know, to just other, you know, people in your, in your audience space, because then you have the right to market to them because you know what they need instead of just coming up with something on your own and thinking, Oh, yeah, everybody will want this because I'm way. the smartest. You and know, even the product life. market so. <laughs> fit, it's not a linear process. It's a little bit back and yeah. forth, back and forth between those three areas. You, you learn a little bit about the audience. You try to figure the product, you try to figure the price range and the way you will charge them. And then uh, something doesn't really click because, you know, you go back to that initial audience and you try to sell it to them. I mean, you know, obviously you got the information for the other two things from them. So, you know, they should be ready to buy. And if they're not, you need to figure out why. Maybe your messaging is not clear on what is the problem that you're solving or maybe the business model they told you. You know, one thing is, uh, you know, if you ask me, hey, Miha, would you buy, you know, like marketing package for 10K? And I said, yeah, sure, I would buy it. But then when you tell me, like, Miha, give me your credit card, I would be like, hmm, well, not right now. Um, I, I don't have the funds yet. And bam, that's where your product market fit breaks. <laughs> yep. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I always Full price. You don't have because a good even idea if you sell it at like it. introductory, <laughs> half off, whatever, that doesn't mean that you have a proven system.
Yeah, I would agree. You can you can do some some discounting or beta pricing only if you're buying feedback or buying time. But yeah, ultimately you're totally right. It has to be absolutely where you get to the point okay. where people are paying um, you know full that price. That one for, was pretty well covered. And of course, like always, I really love your point of view. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, let, let's move forward with with the topic of digital marketing <laughs> for entrepreneurs. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, so now that you understand that you've got to have those conversations, you've got to intimately know your audience, uh, you know, then it's a matter of saying, okay, I know that my audience wants this solution. Um, if we think about something like health and fitness is pretty easy. We'll use that. It's a big, big industry, right? So if you know that your specific niche inside of that big audience wants meal planning done because that's their biggest pain point because you've had dozens and dozens of conversations and it all boils down to them not being able to plan their meals then you have to you have to learn to craft that message in a way that it makes sense digitally and people respond to it so that means writing good copy that you know helps them say oh that's me you know i i relate to that i'm you know i'm the one that's struggling with with meal planning or creating video content, you know, whether you start with a more of a humorous approach or something weird to get their attention, or if you go straight into an educational mode, it's really then figuring out, okay, here's all the channels I have from Facebook ads to video marketing or YouTube to SEO to email marketing, you know, and yes, at this point, remarketing and all these other things we can do. Um, it's a matter of saying, okay, I know this is what the audience really wants. I have high confidence in it because I've had enough one-on-one -on -one conversations and I've sold one-on-one, -on -one, which is another key that we can get into more later if you'd like. That's the point where you can say, okay, now I'm going to test and adjust until I get Facebook ads working correctly for you know getting people to opt into learning more about what we offer and what we do. And once you get that channel done, then you can say, okay, now I'm going to figure out email marketing or now I'm going to figure out Google ads Absolutely. or radio ads. Yeah, or we have to understand. So you're just taking and applying example, that message a lot correctly to the medium. Talking about reusing content. And I mean, I'm all about reusing content, but you have to do it in the right way. So let's say um, if we do a video interview, just the way we did it for the LinkedIn Live, um, you know, I, I'm sure at one point we were, you know, talking with our hands as well, with the mimic of our body. And now if I take out that audio and just put it on the podcast, um, people just wouldn't get the whole, the whole picture, the whole message. Uh, I mean, my realization about that was I love TED Talks. And, it, and, and, you know, at one point, TED Talks started offering podcasts. And I was like, oh, wow, I can listen to the podcast while I'm driving mm -hmm. and I'll be, you know, immersed into even more TED Talks. And you know what? I listened to the first one and the lady says, well, as you can see on the big screen, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, how can I freaking see that? Can somebody explain? And then I got back home because it was interesting. And I was like, okay, now I have to watch the whole thing again. Like, why would I do that? That's a huge waste of time. And, you know, uh, that, that was my learning. So, for example, on LinkedIn, you need to communicate in a bit different tone. It needs to be more right. professional. On Facebook, it needs to be more chatty and, and, and so on and so on. So um, reusing, yes, but you have to be very smart about how you reuse the content.
Yeah, I really I'm glad you brought that up, because if you're not conscious of that and, you know, really acting upon that knowledge, then you just you end up creating noise. And just like you described, you you try to listen to a podcast. It was useless. It was frustrating. So you had to go invest more time to watch the actual video. Whereas, I mean, and this is embarrassing for, you know, for the TED organization, in my opinion, but they could have just taken the audio and then injected if they really wanted to repurpose it they could have injected the the speaker's voice or even an you know a narrator that says you know and maybe next, they're doing so that and so now, shared but a diagram like that showed this this and this and they could have the podcast, you know audibly so maybe they're doing it so i don't want i mean i really love that so i don't want to say anything bad about them but that that was a really yeah. sucky experience yeah yeah no, that's Exactly. And it's like, and I, and I'm sure they probably learned from it. And like I said, they are a good organization, but anytime that we just copy and paste or slap something into multiple spaces well, or channels, um, we're going to so, get really sloppy okay. results. And now may I'm guessing we are moving over to our ecosystem. Well, I call it ecosystem. You probably call it uh, funnel or client journey, buyer journey. Um, so we, we are starting to put out content, which is more or less meant for uh, awareness process where people really become aware that we exist, that our product exists, our service exists. Maybe we are even um, innovators in the market and we are teaching them why they actually need that product. Um, and, And then we have to call to action and then we have to move them into a system. And I remember that I've learned from you good ways to do that with email marketing, even though I was not a big fan of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm guessing now we are coming to that ecosystem. I mean, I call it ecosystem. I don't know if marketers call it that way. It's just like a yeah. cute word that I use. Yeah, no, that's what it is. <laughs> that I, I like that description better because if people say, you know, this is my marketing funnel, then we start to create an association where sometimes I think people feel like they can force a prospect down a specific path all the time. And that, that doesn't feel quite right to me always. Yes, we want a prospect to go down kind of a, a journey, but in some senses it is going to be on their own time in their own way. And so it is more of an ecosystem. Um, and so just to reiterate it, cause it's so important in order to market effectively and do what we're going to cover next year, you do have to have had those face-to-face sales or those in-person sales over the phone or a video call because yes, otherwise you are marketing something that nobody wants. Somebody has have to, has to have paid you for your idea more than once in my opinion for it say, okay, this is valid. I'm going to go market it. So we we're making the assumption that you've done that work and now you're going to marketing. One of the things that I've really learned a lot more about this year, even though, I mean, to be honest, I've known about this for a while, but it's really come up strongly for me this year is creating the right frame so that people think about you and your service and what you do in the right way. So that, that pre-frame or that conversation that you start. Can you maybe so give an example here? Like one or two attracting examples them into the right in ecosystem or funnel or whatever we want to call it. The, the term isn't super relevant.
Yeah, exactly. So we'll take a we'll take a different um, we'll take a different uh, niche or industry. So if we looked at like a CPA firm, for example, or some kind of accounting product or something tax related here in the states, because um, I don't understand international taxes, so we'll just pretend it's just in the states for this part. But when we if we look at something like that, every April fifteenth. In my feed, there's a bunch of people moaning and complaining about, oh, I got to get my taxes done and, you know, I'm on deadline or I don't know how I'm going to make it or I have to write this big check or, you know, I have to pay my taxes. There's all there's all this noise and chatter and complaining and talk about it. So that's kind of what's happening. It, it, there's It's this huge surge of pain inside of the audience, right? So since we, you know, if I was marketing for a CPA firm, since we know that, and that happens, you know, every year, essentially, for people that aren't using a good CPAs firm, there's kind of two periods that are ideal, because it is kind of a seasonal industry. In like, November, December, January, we should be having a conversation and framing up our audience to understand what we're going to offer. And then sometimes it makes sense to do it in like May, June, July, because the pain is recent enough that they'll act. And so to pre-frame your audience, you can start to say, you know, you know, what was last year's tax bill like, you know, or are you frustrated, you know, every April or, you know, not looking forward to talking to Uncle Sam this year, you can start to irritate or agitate that that pain. And if that's the pre-frame where we say, hey, if you know, if you're sick of dealing with your taxes or you're tired of the pain of dealing with this then you get to present the solution at the next phase of your conversation or the next stage of your funnel, right? So tired of this pain, you know, we totally understand. That's why we handle it all for you. And so the opening of the conversation or that pre-frame of the conversation is key to understand because sometimes you need to open with pain uh, that really exists for your market. Sometimes you need to be aiming at the pleasure that they want. So the first example I said is, I, we pre-framed it by saying, you know, what's, you know, tired of dealing with this pain, tired of being surprised by a huge tax bill, that's all pain focused. The other frame, so we would test that and see, does that attract people? Does that get them interested with us? Is pain the right angle here? Or we can go to, you know, pleasure and happiness and, you know, positive emotions and say, imagine what it would be like if you never had to think about paying you know, your tax bill again, or imagine what it would be like to have a whole team of tax professionals taking care of you and you would never have to think about it again. Gabe. That's a positive frame. One question. And then we can uh, get into in the conversation and explain how our services would do that for them. Go so that's for either framing the pain or framing the desire or, or mm -hmm. the, the positive outcome. Or do you mostly balance a little bit between those two? So um using them both in, in your communication or the communication that you create for your clients? I don't, I said, if I had to go okay. into something blind, which would break all the rules we've talked about so far today, then I would go with pain because I think that pain is a stronger motivator. But with, with that being said, I think you need to really emotionally pay attention during the conversations that you have with your audience. And when you sell to them, are you selling to the pleasure or are you selling to the pain? Are, are they, do they keep saying, man, I just wish I had more time off and I wish I was able to take vacation or like if they're expressing 
wishes of things they want to move towards, then you need to focus on that. If they constantly say, you know, I'm sick of things breaking or I'm sick of paying these well, bills or I'm sick of this pain, I'm, I'm just then you share would this focus with you. on like, removing this is pain, highlighting and then removing pain. I, I'm, but I'm it, not it a marketer. I never your you know, did any marketing. It's just studying myself and, you know, my behavior when I'm buying. That, that, that was, you know, what I wanted to discover. And then, you know, uh, also... Uh, seeing if other people have that same pattern. So for me, I discovered that it's really important mm -hmm. that I sense the connection on the pain that I'm understood by the company that's trying to sell me something so that they understand my current struggle. But then if they don't show me the desire, because that's what I'm buying, if they just keep me on the pain side, I'm not, I'm not going to take out my credit card. So I actually believe in, in using a little bit of both, but um, a little bit of the struggle part, you just want that create that connection, that feeling of being understood and, and then spend more of your time on then communicating the dream, the desire, the positive outcome. That, that's how I do it. I'm, I'm not saying it's the right way, but it's working for me. I think that's very good advice. I think you're exactly right. And, you know, I always just try to think, do I start the conversation with pain or with pleasure? That's something I try to learn from the market, but I completely agree with you that we yeah, should always highlight the pain, the issues, and challenges and say we can remove that and we can move you into this or, you know, positive state or into the desires that you have. About and the I, struggles, I, and I try to figure out how we can connect. And, you know, going through so many failures in my past, it's really not that difficult for me to relate to just any pain that they go through. Um and, um, yeah, I try to spend a little bit time there because I, I have the feeling that if you connect right. on, on that pain part, it's almost like instant friendship. You, you, you tear down the barriers, you know, because they're like, oh, I feel understood. And that's super, super important. Even for me, when I'm the one buying things, I'll, like you gave the example of the health industry. So, you know, like, let's imagine that um, two coaches are trying to sell me um, health coaching. Oh. One was never obese, mm -hmm. was always very thin. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm like, and if they didn't have a client like me and they can use their hero story, mm -hmm. We won't connect because that person can't understand, you know, like how many times when, when I still had my 300 plus pounds, uh, thankfully I'm not there anymore. Um, and, you know, how many times I, because in Europe, when you go to visit somebody's house, you take off your shoes. You, we don't walk with our shoes in our houses. Um, and I would say no to visit a friend just because I was embarrassed mm -hmm. how I will put my shoes back on after the visit. And and they can't understand it. They they can't understand, you know, how you go into a store and the 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 lady serving you there says very loudly, "Oh, you know what? We don't have such a big number." And and you know, you you the shame, the embarrassment when everybody in the store, even if they are not looking at you, but you have that feeling that all eyes are on you, and you just want to go away. And, and I mean, I could go on and on and on uh, about those feelings. And then you have one who was at a similar 
stage and and they overcame it and and you know they they tell you before you even tell them about your struggles they explain some of the uh, examples and you're like oh my god that person really understands me or they had a client so they must understand that because they were working with somebody like that and then and then but then you know what i want to buy is the results Yeah, no, I totally agree. It, it reminds me of um, something else I heard recently that I thought was really wise um, from Stu McLaren, who has a company called Tribes, I think is the company name. But he said, he's like, anytime that I want to explain to somebody or sell how this works or market it, he's like, I just pull up one of like over 100 user stories that he said are actually on my wall behind my computer screen. And so if somebody says, oh, will this work for me? You know, if I'm in this case, he's like, yeah, well, it worked perfectly for me, huh? Because he already, you know, he did this and he just shares the story. He doesn't have to sell or anything. Uh, and so I totally, totally agree with what you're saying. You've got to be able to relate either something you went through personally or somebody that you helped. You've got to be able to relate that to the person you're talking to because then they'll be yeah, comfortable. I, and be I like, mean, it, it's they that can kind of breathe easy and be like, you know, like if, if you, you know, you this, can, is, this like, will work you know, for me. We both went through a lot of failures so in business. And, you know, point. we can relate so much on that. And, you know, like we know each other, what, like now a month or so? I mean, we were introduced uh, uh, through your brother, um, who is health and mindset coach, by the way. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, and, and I feel like I know you, like, year for years and we had like a few conversations in in this time mm -hmm. because we can so much relate on similar emotions that we went through even though our numbers were not the same or the things that we went through were not exactly the same but but we were talking uh you and i we talked a lot about the emotions behind it and we were able to relate on that and it creates that uh instant connection instant uh, feeling that oh, I it's it's almost like I know you for the past twenty years. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because there's a there's something that I haven't really researched this a lot, but it's just an opinion that I have that I know holds true. But there's probably more brain science behind this, is why I'm saying that, and that is. When we share a story of what happened to us and we, you know, we relate to our audience through story or through our own past stories or through somebody else's story that we helped, we create what I call simulated shared experience. So as soon as I go, oh, yeah, I totally understand what you went through, Miha, you lost everything, you know, mounds of debt, death threats. I, I'm over, you know, you're over there saying, oh, yeah, I went through that, too. And and then we start to, you know, create you know, this shared simulated experience and like this simulated camaraderie from the past that really didn't happen, but we feel like it did. And then that's what, you know, that's what accelerates trust. That's what makes people yes, go, absolutely. oh, I can totally do well, business but, with this person okay. because I, I they're mean, real. We, and we they're, are just, you know, you know, like, yeah, we went through the same thing you, like, together we go is the way that and it right, And I'm constantly derailing you from, uh, um, what you were explaining. So, so sorry about that. Um, yeah, so uh, we were at 
the mm-hmm. ecosystem and um, how we invite Very them into the ecosystem, how all. we pre-frame um, what will happen next. So, yeah, um, take it over from there. Yeah, yep. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so we pre-frame the conversation, we then start to have the conversation. And that's where we're sharing user stories or educating them on how we can serve and help them. And then we're going to make a small ask, which is, I guess, if we kind of label these in steps, we've got step one, pre-frame, step two, have the conversation, step three in our marketing, it would be make a small ask and say, you know, if this sounds like something that you're going through, Miha, and you want to solve that, then all you have to do is take this very small, completely risk-free, easy-to-do step. Um, and I'm saying it that way so that people know that's what it should be. You may not actually phrase it that way, but I may say, you know, if this sounds like some problem you're trying to solve, Miha, you can come and jump on a free call with me, or you can download my ebook that will help you solve this problem, or you can come to a webinar or we're having a meetup or view this demo or try it for free. We want it to be just really, really safe for that person to check you out at the next level. And that's a way of them raising their hand and saying, I really do have this problem. Like I really do want to solve this because I'm going to invest my time, which is worth way more than any money they can give you. Right. And so that's, that's the, that's the third stage that we have to hit in the marketing process. And with, you know, once you've done that, then that's only going to be a fraction of the people that you have initial conversations with or that see an ad or see something at at the beginning of the process. Only a smaller percentage are going to raise their hand in that sense and say, yep, I'll take a, a quick spin with this or I'll download your guide or I'll engage. And then out of those, you're going to get to the fourth stage, which is somebody saying, yeah, not only do I have this problem? Uh, we've had a conversation. I've gotten the free resource or the free call or tried something out at a very safe, easy level. And I really liked what happened yeah. there. And, and, and now, we are already you know, I just want to pay you to take away my problem. And so, of, of the you know, process, the fourth step is going to be moving into actually, part, so you know, we, having that The sale. marketing is done here. Cool. Um, how about your four pillars? Exactly. Yep. Yeah, we can touch on those. So I think that all successful businesses essentially are building and investing in, you know, and constantly working on the four pillars in business, which is sales and marketing, which we've talked about quite a bit um, here today. Um, That's, I technically find that to be the second pillar. So the first pillar is mindset and relationships. If you don't have the right mindset and don't have good relationships with yourself and with others that you're going to work with, um, then you're going to struggle in entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is like a thousand percent personal development. So it's mindset and relationships is pillar one. Sales and marketing is pillar two. Financial control and profitability is pillar three. And then pillar four to, to, you know, kind of give you that full you know, strong foundation is production and quality control. And the reason that I originally came up with these is because I'm a typical entrepreneur and get excited by new ideas and have shiny object syndrome or whatever you want to call it, ADD. And so when I have the urge 
or this creative kind of kick to be like, man, I want to try something new or work on something new. I finally am at the point where I'll go, awesome. You're feeling some creativity, Gabe. That's great. Which of the four pillars can you direct that creativity or that energy into? Maybe we need to improve our financial models a little bit. Maybe we can work on sales and marketing. Maybe there's some relational stuff you can be doing, or maybe it's at a production or quality control level. Maybe that's where I should shift my energy awesome. and that's helped me stay and, a lot and you more do focused have instead a of trying group. to I mean, I'm part work of on and grow well, and build where you know you 15, share 20, quite 30 a lot, ideas at uh, once or, or you, you give a lot of free value there um, before you even invite people to buy something from you Yeah, definitely. No, I love having people there because if there's any way I can just help you with with the advice and tools and frameworks and that we have that we can give for free, then we love doing that. Um, and the Facebook awesome. group is awesome. Ultimate Business um, Freedom, so you can find that on Facebook we, and join. And we just—I mean, I know that ask you have other questions, so we know who you are, and then we put you right in. There. in. Um, so um, to steer the conversation a little bit different direction, uh, tell us something about Gabe. Like not the business entrepreneur Gabe, but Gabe. <laughs> yeah, I love that you asked this because I think it's taken me a lot of time to realize that working 80, 90 hours a week, seven days a week is not the healthiest thing to do. So I'm unfortunately in a, a much healthier season as an entrepreneur and uh, for me, like the things that I really enjoy personally is I absolutely love reading and learning. So I'm constantly doing that. A lot of the times it is business focused, but other times it's not. It's philosophy or history or things like that. Um, and then I, I get a ton of joy from, you know, hanging out with my girlfriend and my son. We'll, you know, we'll go out and play mini golf or go, you know, go for a walk in the woods or you know, good, go do things like that. So, um, and, and I love, I love watching really well-written television too. Like I've, you know, I've watched what was hours recent, of television and you know, hundreds of hours of television enjoyed. in my life just because there's things that just really engage me and I enjoy that. So I like, I like that kind of thing when I'm not. What's your opinion on, 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 uh, um, ep, uh season eight? I, I'm a huge game of Thrones fan. So I, that was fun to see that wrap up. Um, I could, Okay. Um, can, I loved can, it. Can you, I think the writing was um, right on point. I think the audience didn't uh, like it because it was honest, but I come think it was up phenomenal with writing. A lesson that we entrepreneurs <laughs> can still learn from, you know, the the whole thing that was going on between the audience that absolutely hated the whole thing and 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 uh, how we like, you know, just can you see maybe a good uh, entrepreneurial lesson there? <laughs> yeah, well, I if you don't actually. want, um, you don't have to share it. I almost went and did a live on on my Facebook wall, but I figured I'd get too much hate for it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, no, I will. I think it's a great question, um, and it's it's we're far enough past it that I think people will not be too sore. I think that in entrepreneurship, there's a very interesting balance between listening to your audience and delivering what they need and what they want and staying true to who you are and staying true to what you know needs to be done. 
And I remember um, I've I've heard Jerry Seinfeld talk about this many times where he said, you know, we ended the last season of Seinfeld at our peak. And we, I know that we could have done three or four or five more years. But he said we we, we could only go down from there. He's like, we could only, you know, it, it only would have gotten worse. And we left on a high note and the timing was right. And I think that with such an epic, you know, work that is Game of Thrones, it's just, it'll, it will be a historic piece of art in our society for, you know, decades to come. I think that as creators, we have to trust our own intuition but as do, equally do as we really do, you know, the knowledge that we gain from our audience, creative because there's, thing. there's a lot more there I mean, than you know, we like give ourselves when, when credit for. When we talk about, you know, let the creativity out, you, you see, you know, a sculpture, a, a painter, and, you know, like they don't give a F about, you know, what the audience will think. They just express themselves. But this is, you know, like a huge studio with a big budget, with you know KPIs, and you know, I mean, and, and, I mean, let's be honest, it's business. Um, mm -hmm. And and do you like, if you look at it from the creative part, like I would understand for you know the writer. <laughs> I, I I'm not a huge fan, so I don't know the names, but um, I know that that guy that wrote it. And, and haven't finished it yet. I mean, that could be like, you know, like, oh, I'm being creative and I go any way I want. And then, you know, you have mm -hmm. the people who love you and people who hate you. But what HBO did was, you know, like a pure business, business development, KPIs, processes, there's that marketing research. I mean, all of the things that you do in a normal business, I think that they did a sucky job. Um, and why? because they didn't warm up the audience in the right way. So the expectation was completely off from what they delivered. And he, he, I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you something really interesting about that. Cause I, I totally hear where you're coming from and, uh, I totally don't get me wrong. I don't even know what they delivered you because I, I, I feel like really they didn't deliver, and that's somebody. You know, I mean, that's kind of your perspective. And, and there's plenty of people I, that said they didn't deliver. Only a few episodes so, from all the eight seasons. It's more like what I was, you know, like the whole online world was, you know, filled with yeah. that, and and just you know trying to filter um, uh, both <laughs> sides of the story. Serving. Yeah, so I'll tell you something. I'll tell you, I'll give you two two examples, um, and then we'll then we'll close it up. But HBO's entire business model is finding talented people and turning them loose with incredibly ridiculous budgets. So their their model of and I've heard them talk about this and read about it extensively, so you could look it up. But their model is: we think that if we let talented people do what they're best at, everything else will work out great. And so that's the bet that they make. And so that's the first part is um, the first kind of lesson from it is trust your talented people. Like there has to be constraints and yes, there's business KPIs and all that stuff, but they've built a multi-billion dollar company from letting creative people do their thing. Um, so that's, that's one. And that's an intentional business choice that they constantly make. And then the second piece is as innovators, as leaders, as entrepreneurs starting up new things, we have to think so far ahead of the curve 
it's not our job to always make our audience happy. We, we do have to, to exist. Like I'm not negating what we said earlier in our conversation here, but we also have to understand when it's time for a change. And if you look at how, you know, Steve Jobs brought things to market, you know, with Apple, if you look at, you know, even a guy like I don't agree with him from a morality or kind of personal human standpoint, but you look at a guy like Elon Musk, like those are people that are bringing what the audience no, okay. needs, yeah, not I, what they I, want. I do and understand kind of your point of view as well. We started, I mean, and, we have to you know, understand both you know and be much able to make more the right call at the right time. Than I do. So, so I, 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 it was just <laughs> something that I observed from, from yeah. afar. Um, Gabe, before I let you go, and I mean, I, I guess we just need no, to do, we, we just need to schedule like ten more of this because you know there's just so much to talk through about you when it comes to entrepreneurship. We could go into mindsets, we can go into you know delivery, client satisfaction, and this and that. So yeah, there's so many yeah. topics that we could just dive in, uh, and and we kind of stayed on on the marketing Let's side today because well that's <laughs> like uh, the biggest. Um, expertise of yours, I guess, with, with what you're doing. Um, but, you know, like, what's the one thing you would like to leave the audience with? Um, tip, advice, mm -hmm. quote, anything that you feel uh, is worth sharing to end this with a bang? Absolutely. So I think the one thing I would focus or uh, kind of a dual part thing I will leave you with is make sure that you have dozens, if not hundreds of conversations with your audience, you know, one-to-one. -one. And then with that, try to find a way to get through a hundred failed marketing tests as quickly as possible and, a, and as affordably as possible. Because if you can knock out a hundred failures, you will quickly That's and easily really find the winners advice. out of and you know so out of that batch of failures. Because fail I have hundreds and thousands uh, of failed marketing campaigns that have <laughs> Thank taught me you a lot. For that. Um, Gabe, Gabe, as always, I mean, um, and I'm not going to go into too much tantrum, but as always, I thank you. Ooh, I appreciate <laughs> you. Um, I love the value you bring to these conversations. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to our next one and, and we'll come up with a different topic so that uh, we can dive into that. But really, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. I know you have a busy schedule. Enjoy the rest of this week. And uh, I'll, I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for having me on, Miha. It's always a pleasure.